already I've got a cemetery that's full of dead corpses. <laughs> Rock, Paper, Shotgun, Electronic, Wireless show. I'm Brendan. It's episode 43 on the 3rd of May. Uh, and I am joined this week by Catherine Castle. Hello. And Matt Cox. Hello. Super. Um, we don't have a theme really this week, um, but it could be, it could be Frostpunk because Two-thirds of the people in this podcast have played some of it <laughs> to a point where they could talk about it. Could be games where really horrible things happen. I should have said this earlier when we were planning this, but that could be <laughs> That would have been a good one, but it's too late now. I've got all my I've got my plan set out. Uh, that's an, that's one for another time. Alright. Um we do have a lot of themes as well saved up for us, um from readers, uh that we'll get to eventually. But uh, we wanted to talk about Frostpunk, and I don't think it fit into any of the themes that people had sent. Ah, there. Uh, so yes, let's let's talk snow. People dying horribly in 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 frozen pits. <laughs> um, yeah, we're currently writing another piece to accompany this, so but we can repeat ourselves a little bit when we think about it. Um, Catherine, how many people have died of the cold in your uh, wondrous frosty city? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think probably it's it's definitely over twenty. I I sort of made an early error by um where where in, in which sort of in the first fifteen odd minutes, about a third of my um a third of my survivors died um, because I forgot to turn the generator on, which is is stupid. Uh, <laughs> <because> <laughs> To be fair, the game didn't actually tell me that I could do that, or at least I d- if if it did, I glossed over that part of the generator instruction manual um, because it told me I had to collect two hundred coal uh, as well, which I thought, oh, okay, I'll do that after you know, I'll, I'll I can turn the generator on once I've done that. As it turns out, you don't really collect two hundred coal very quickly. Um, so I was I was just sort of sitting there thinking, this is taking a quite a long time to. Uh, to collect this amount of coal before I can turn this on, and I'm surely like people are getting cold. But I thought like, oh, you know, it's fine. Everyone seems to be milling around doing their thing. And then yeah, like literally, I, half of or at least a third of my population just died in the night, uh, straight off the bat. So that was a slight disadvantage. Oh, um, I just thought it'd be quite cool if when you get there, the first thing that happens is half of your people die, and there's nothing you can do to stop that. Well, you... a trick there. <laughs> you can oh. by turning the generator on. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Um, or leaving it turned off, rather, to, if you want mm-hmm. everyone to die. Uh... <laughs> yeah. So for those for those who don't know, Frostpunk is a city management game. They've called it a society survival game, in which you all live in a big crater. There's a big generator in the middle, and you have to place your um, buildings around the generator in kind of concentric rings. Um, and try and keep people alive while you explore the frozen wastes in a is it late eighteen hundreds steampunk kind of deal? Something it's, it certainly feels Victorian esque. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know whether it is steam. I haven't come across any kind of obviously steampunky elements to it, but it's it's certainly yeah, like it feels very Victorian in its um what you have you know people doing and it's kind of overall kind of design and look and the contraptions you end up making um i've come across some victorian stuff there's a lot of steam based things later 
So isn't isn't that what steampunk is? I don't know. It's <laughs> I just know. steam things. Checks out. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, but um, yeah, I've only had I've only had two people die. I'm quite proud of my <laughs> my settlement. How many hours in are you? Uh, maybe five or s- yeah, maybe five hours. That's very um, good. I think I've only played uh, it for about three or four, and yeah, already I've got a, a cemetery that's yeah full of full of dead corpses. <laughs> it's supposed to be quite a short game that you can get to the. It's got a set storyline more or less, like a scenario that you play through, and it, I think that only takes maybe ten or eleven hours to get through. Right, uh, something like that. We have got a review of it by um, Zalavier. I think you pronounce his name Zalavier, but I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> Uh, he's done our review of it, so we can put a link to that if you want to just read about it. <clears throat> but uh, if you want to hear all about our horrible deaths and how many children have died in the mines, <laughs> just keep listening. <laughs> uh, you haven't played much of it, Matt. No, none of my children have died in the mines <laughs> because I started it. Um, I played for about 15 minutes one night when I was really tired and just couldn't figure out what I was doing and decided to stop so my people wouldn't suffer because of me. <laughs> That's probably a sensible option. That's, I, 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 sh- I should have done that when it's... a third of my population like, yeah, passed away during the night. Um, but it's, it's sort of, I, I, as I say, I, I, thought, I, I thought about restarting, but because um, I sort of realised, oh no, I've, I've, really, I've really sort of screwed myself over here. Mm. Um, especially since... Like your your population is divided into uh, mainly workers, but also there are sort of a handful of people who are engineers who can only do specific jobs. Chiefly, run your medical outposts to care for everyone who's ill. Of which there are also many in my settlement. Um, I think probably about half my population are sick or in some sort of care home where they are so gravely ill that they can't do anything, which is useful. Um, and, but yeah, it seemed as though I only had for a, for a couple of hours at least, I only had about five engineers or certainly like under 10, which isn't very many when people keep asking you to build medical posts. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and you have to research things with the engineers yeah, as well. And you research, so... Yeah, research things with engineers too, um, to kind of unlock so You're really working on trees. a skeleton crew, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Which is because like, once once you get to a certain point, or you you, you can you can build um, one of the early things you can build is something called a beacon, which um, you can send out to look for kind of that 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 enables you to start exploring the wider the wider waste um, wastelands beyond your little tiny crater settlement thing. Um, and I was so glad that once kind of like the the first the first um, point that I went to just like brilliant there's like 12 engineers here bring them back bring them back and I could suddenly kind of get a lot more stuff done um because yeah I wasn't having because there's also as well as sort of having you can you can have a maximum number of people working in these facilities um the medical post of which you have you can only ever have a maximum of five engineers but depending on how many people you have there also affects how efficiently that building's being run and when You've only got one engineer per kind of of your per medical outpost. Yeah. It's not very efficient. Yeah. And then if they get ill, then there's no one running that thing. Um, and it all starts sort of starts to snowball in in you know and kind of build up in a kind of slightly stressful um, way that is kind of like you're thinking, oh no, this is at any moment now this could all go horribly wrong and we'll all die. And I'll have to start again. <laughs> One of the things that can go really horribly wrong is there's a little ticker up in the top and it tells you, um, it's a bit like Northgard if anyone's played Northgard. It tells you when a huge temperature drop is coming um, and it'll tell you by how much the temperature will drop. It's just a little like a thermometer thing ticking away uh, along a timeline. So in two days time, you know, oh, I better be ready for this horrible freeze. But then any survivors or anything that you find will also be told, you'll also be told how long it's going to take them to get there, to get to your settlement from wherever it was they've been found. Mm. So you've got these, like, you've got this future planning uh, going on in your head. Like, I was building little houses, and uh, you can build steam hubs, which kind of generate heat in a certain area, and I was building one of those and putting loads of houses next to it, and then I was like, 
but I'm just going to turn it off and leave it there. So I had this horrible snowed in shanty town with no one living in it, just waiting for people to arrive. <laughs> um, but then on the journey, uh, some of the people died. So I had like surplus space uh, just because a bunch of people died before they even got to my settlement. Mm. Um, so there's lots of like, I really like it. Like I like the puzzle of um, kind of figuring out how to place things within heated areas. Yeah. There's no, uh, most of the time you just feel like you're really up against it. You're, you're trying to, you know, squash in these houses or soup kitchens or uh, like hunters, you know, um, hunters shacks or whatever. Uh, and you're just trying to squeeze them in among all the other stuff and trying to, I I was like dismantling things and trying to build them and not really caring that like 20 people would be homeless at a time. <laughs> Whenever I was trying to like rearrange my city, I was just like, just get out, go and do something else. I need to build, I need to build a soup kitchen here, you fools. <laughs> That's great, good. Um, so, so with the, the big moral decisions, like do you, euthanize old people or eat them or whatever do those come like <laughs> do you trigger those decisions or do they just appear like randomly they they, they will appear randomly um depending on uh the kind of you've got this kind of level of kind of you've got a hope meter and a discontent meter that kind of fluctuates depending on things that you do um or kind of events that happen so sometimes a citizen will kind of like a little kind of a little thing will pop up on the map, um, which then triggers like a, a citizen. A citizen will come to you saying, "We need to do something about all these old people, or you know, the, all these gravely ill people that are no use to the workforce." And then you can choose to open your book of laws, which then lets you kind of decide on yeah whether you set up a care home for these people or you try and amputate their limbs or something you know kind of like give them really radical treatment that will probably like there's a th I think there's a 30 percent chance or something that people who undergo these procedures will become am amputees um or you can as i say like set up a care home for them where they will they're basically useless and but and still eat half rations but it's kind of it will it'll raise your your hope meter a bit more and cause less discontent. Um, but you can open that book of laws at any point. Um, each each time you enact a law, there's like a cooldown, so you can't enact like loads of laws at the same time. You have to wait for one to kind of one to kind of cool down, which normally is mm. maybe about a day, like twenty four hours often. Um, so you can't you can't kind of act enact loads of things at, all at once. But um, you are free to basically choose anything outside of those kind of little events that get triggered kind of in yeah. the story. And a lot of the, I think some of the events are kind of scripted in time to propel the story or based mm. on how far your scouts have got. Yeah. Um, like there's a, a group of people kind of rise up again, not rise up against you, but start sowing discontent among your your people. I don't know if this happens for everyone, but I suspect that a lot, a lot that we talk about is going to be common to everybody who plays this game through. It's not. It's not as. Uh, I don't want to use the word emergent like storytelling, <laughs> but uh, it's not. It's not as um, random spontaneous. or as spontaneous exactly as something like RimWorld, um, mm -hmm. where all these characteristics or attributes of your people or random events kind of pitch in to make a a really really chaotic and dramatic kind of thing that you know story that that's viewed from on high by a ai storyteller i don't think it's that complex um you are still i do still get the sense of i'm playing through a story that has been very finely made and Deter already determined in certain ways like i might not get some pop-ups that say uh i don't know do you want, I, like i haven't got any pop-ups that said you want to eat the dead yet but i don't think i don't think <laughs> i've had i've got that many dead to eat so oh yeah it might, it might it might be based on that yeah um, but i think when because you chose the um in order to because the, they there is a thing where you you have to decide how to deal with your dead at one point i chose to build mm. a cemetery but I think Brendan, right. you, you you chose to to, to do the the, the snow pit. Um, 
you make it sound so much worse than it is. <laughs> but I think in that option, though, there was like there was the suggestion that at some future point in the game, you would be able to harvest those organs that were in the snow somewhere. But uh, yes, it's... there is a <laughs> there is a thing. So the snow the snow pit really made me chuckle. Well, like in a dark way, it made me chuckle. But um, you you build a snow pit, and it's basically what it it sounds like. It is a hole in the snow where you throw the bodies, and they just sit there frozen. You can't build it in a place that you know is going to have heat in it, because the bodies will thaw and rot and cause sickness. So you have to build it kind of far away from your you know the rest of your settlement. Um, I didn't the first time because I didn't have the wood to build a road that would lead out to a snow pit somewhere. <laughs> so I was really short on wood and I was like, I'm going to have to build it really close to the heat zones. Not in a heat zone, but very close by. Somewhere that I'm going to have to expand to later. And I just built it there and I thought, right, that'll do for now, whatever. It's not a big deal. No, <laughs> Nobody really like kicked off stinks about it or anything. Like Nothing happened after that. And later on, after I got some more wood, I was like, okay, I've got the wood. I'm going to build another snow pit. It doesn't let you dismantle that one until you build a new one. So I built a new one. It's a big, like, long wooden plank death road going out to this lonely <laughs> snow pit that's just out by itself. It's like, it's in the exact opposite direction as the rest of my city has been spreading <laughs> like, to make it look Try like horrible. as far away from it as possible. <laughs> um, I built it out there and I was like, okay, it's out there. I can dismantle this one. The game... I just guess the game must automatically transfer the bodies from one to the other. And it did. But then an event popped up saying a lady uh, that a, a woman has been found crying over the body of her um, dead husband in the snow pit. And I was just like, oh, is that because I dug him up and moved <laughs> him from one to the other? Or is it just something that didn't trigger the first time, but which has triggered now? And it just felt like, oh, oh, this poor woman. And like you say, you built a cemetery. Everyone has a name in that cemetery. Yes. Like the dead people have little gravestones and stuff. And you said you found a kid there one time. Yeah, but I, I, I had a little pop up saying that, oh, we found a small boy who's been like almost frozen to the bone because he's been weeping over the grave of his dead mother. And it's like, oh, Jesus. no. <laughs> but this, right, well... the really bleak thing is that like, it's sort of the, there's nothing you can really do about it. Like all, all, all I could do to kind of close that window was just to like he must face up to his loss, <laughs> and it's like oh yeah. man, <laughs> harsh. <laughs> In the snow pit, there are no names; they're just bodies. <laughs> See, I love how. I love how the snow pit sounds like the solution to when, you know, you've had mass deaths and you just can't afford to pay all the individuals the respect they deserve. But you're just like, nah, two people. Straight to the <laughs> well, snow pit. It was two people, and it did say, when it said you can, you can, they may come in useful later, I was like, oh, future planning. <laughs> I like future planning. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, I wonder what they'll come in useful for. And yeah, you can harvest the organs from them later on. Um, I don't know how they make sure the frost doesn't damage the tissue so much that they become unusable, but that's how I'm, they're Video fine, apparently. Games. Um, and uh, what else is it? Yeah, you can also, I don't know if you can do this if you go down the other path, but you can use their bodies as fertilizer in the, their hot houses, which are like greenhouses for growing things. Oh, um, right. You can use their bodies for fertilizer. Any Anyone who dies from that point on, you can sign a law just saying, bodies get used for fertilizer. Amazing. That's just how it be. <laughs> So yeah, but I I haven't signed either of those laws yet. No, oh, no, I I've done the organs. I've got the organs <laughs> because a lot of my people were sick and um they were in a care home like yours, Catherine. Yeah. But now they've got new organs and robotic <laughs> limbs. <Nice>. So <laughs> yeah, I've I've sort of I think I've unlocked something about kind of making prosthetic limbs, but I haven't made any yet, or I'm not entirely sure how to make any. Um, it's. Yeah, it's really it's really fiddly actually. You have to build like you have to unlock it in the tech tree and then build a factory and then order the people in the factory to make the limbs. Yeah. It's like it's really um it's not as straightforward as no. it seems whenever you read about <laughs> how you can get them. Yeah. So in general, have you both found yourselves making like the utilitarian good for the game decisions or have you have you been affected by 
the connection you feel to your individual citizens at all? I've generally tried to be quite nice or like just kind of not not as bleak as some of the options appear to be. Um, I, you know, I kind of want my people to have a nice time. But I think one one of the problem, you know, or as nice as like as nice as it can be in minus forty degree uh, snowstorms. But I think one of the one of the things that, that Frostpunk doesn't do very well is explain exactly. I, I guess you know a lot of it is you don't you're not meant to know how things will pan out. But I I think that some at some points it it kind of forces you to kind of just you know choose between certain things and it's not always entirely clear how those things will play out like when you find because i've just had that rebellion kind of start up i've got londoners dreaded londoners um trying to you know <laughs> threaten to take half of my population away to go and you know reclaim their home or whatever um and when it when it kind of it, it gives you it gives you an option of kind of in order to kind of reinforce people's hope in your future in in this place and kind of um you know try and quell the rebellion you're you're given an option of kind of adopting one of two kind of guiding principles there's the order and discipline line which it doesn't tell you any anything more about mm, it other than that yeah. or the faith and spirituality line which it's more it's more obvious because that means like you know Oh yeah, you know, you're because you know, we we've now got options to build like churches and stuff to kind of make people feel more reassured about, you know, try and get people on board that way. But I was sort of like, I don't know what order and discipline means really, or how that will be different to building, you know, kind of making everything very religious. Um, and it's sort of I don't know, just like a little bit of flavor text to give you an idea about what you know, that future might look like would have been helpful, I think, to kind of make you help you make more informed decisions about the way or, you know, where you're taking your town. Yeah, I find that um, when I'm making decisions, like I tend to just do it for the numbers at the top of the screen. Like, (laughs) I mean, like, that. no, mostly that's what I have in mind because the individuals, I think our review went into this as well, the individuals themselves, apart from every so often getting a pop-up about a child crying in a graveyard, don't have any real personality or uh storylines or you know any they don't give you any reason to care about them it isn't like rim world at all you don't follow you know uh, johnny johnny snowfoot like around (laughs) the place like you just don't you just don't care about them really but you do care about them in the general uh, to the point where the the only apart from just keeping the numbers going and trying to keep everybody alive the only kind of ethical decision i've really had to make that I felt that was an ethical decision, apart from a decision between two bad choices, was not to not to sign laws that I could have signed just to see what would happen. <laughs> there's a there's a fighting because at this point I'm looking at the book of laws, and there's nothing there's nothing in it that I want to sign, like that I really. Like there's stuff in it that I would sign if things got bad, like building a soup kitchen or or you know, making everybody eat soup instead of rations because that would make food go further, but nobody would like it. Like I would sign that if a push came to shove. But then there's like things like fighting pits, you know, fighting arenas or these faith keepers um, or whatever. And it just feels like I don't want to sign it. So I have nowhere to go. So the most ethical decision I can make is just not to do anything and carry on the way I am in a kind of boring, by the numbers, collect coal, explore the map kind of way. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, one, one, one of the earliest ones you have to kind of decide is whether to make children work. That's probably yeah. kind of one of the bigger things you have to do early on. Um, I think because I, I played a little bit of Frostpunk um, at, at Res, and I think I kind of, because I wasn't really sure what on earth I was doing, um, I I think at that point I did I did kind of choose to put the children to work, but even within that you can choose to kind of uh, you know only have them say do safe jobs in like kitchens and collecting resources and stuff, or you can choose to like have them do all the jobs, you know, send them down the mines and you know kind of put them in really horrible situations, or you can not choose to do that, and I, you can. 
I, I, which is what I, I chose to do in my game. Um, you can build like shelters for them so they keep themselves out of trouble and they keep themselves warm and they're less likely to get ill. Um, and then once you do that, you can choose to kind of make them either like apprentice medics or apprentice engineers. But again, this is this is what this is something that I kind of thought. Oh, great! If I make them apprentice medics, that should you know that that might ease up my my very very limited supply of engineers who are running these medical outposts so i can you know deploy them elsewhere or put them on more like research stuff oh no no they're just kind of you know an empty void that are apparently in the medical facilities doing something but they don't come up as like actual working people in 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 your numbers uh which yeah. is like oh no that was a complete waste of time <laughs> should have put them to work um but maybe that will pay off in the future down the line. Who knows whether you know whether it takes a certain amount of time to make them a a full engineer or something. Who knows? Um, but yeah, that's 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 what I chose to do. But... Uh, I've got I've got something for you, Matt, because you haven't played too much of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we we can we can try and give you the experience of. Frostpunk. I don't want that experience. That's <laughs> horrible. Well, well, without without actually playing the game. So I've made a little I've made a little quiz for you. You love philosophy and especially ethics. I do. Um, so I've I've I'm going to put to you a series of dilemmas or problems, uh, the kind of which you might face in Frostpunk. And I am literally rubbing my hands. <laughs> <laughs> and after each answer, uh, I'm going to tell you what effect that that's had, you know, in video game terms. Um, okay. And at the end of it, we'll take a look at all your answers and we'll see what kind of settlement you've created in the end. Okay, you ready? Yeah. All right. Okay. So here's the first one. You can think about this as well, Catherine. Okay. But your answers <laughs> won't, count, won't count against the settlement. Cool. <laughs> um, okay. Food supplies are low. A one worker says that eating our gloves will bring nourishment, but an engineer argues that our shoes will be more nutritious. So which one do you eat? Um, I need more information. What materials are they made from? Uh, you don't know. You're not. You're not qualified to make that distinction. Right. Okay. I'm gonna go with eating the boots because. Uh, otherwise, people won't be able to to work the machinery. That seems logical. I'm going for okay. This, 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 these aren't moral decisions. <laughs> the effect of this, the effect of this, is that the Skype party is now unable to explore foreign horizons. You've, all right. But you've eaten all of their shoes. <laughs> At least the miners can work with their hands. Uh, but a coal shortage now means that you have to cut off heat to one of the following houses. Mrs. Gerdebon's blubber shop, or Doctor Stodge's, <laughs> or Doctor Stodge's prosthetics laboratory. So, which building do you cut off? Oh, um, but I like blubber and prosthetics. <laughs> you see, this is why I built this question. Ah, oh, it's 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 a moral nightmare. Um, let's let's get rid of prosthetics. Because okay. I'll I'll prioritize warmth over over tech as much <laughs> as that seems wrong to me. Uh, so you cut off the the lab. Um, that means that there are no arms or legs for anyone. In video, they're all just gone. Um, a child laborer has been caught slacking on the job. Do you push him down the mine shaft and shout, "Get to work"? Or do you throw a piece of secret whale meat down the mine shaft as an incentive? I'm not going to reward him for not doing work. That doesn't sound like a a good thing to do in a society that's you know on the brink of collapse and everyone needs to pull their weight. He's he's going down the mine. So you put just pushing him down the mine shaft. <laughs> Literally shoving him down the mine shaft. Okay, minus one child. <laughs> that makes sense. Discontent increases by fifty percent. <laughs> there you are. Um. A lazy man who never does anything to help and eats twice as many rations as everyone else has been making fun of your steam-powered claw hand. Do you stab him through the abdomen with said claw in a rage, or do you calmly and considerately explain to him what happened to you on that cold, twisted night out on the frost, and then stab him through the abdomen? (laughs) 
how do I have a claw hand when I shut down the prosthetics laboratory? You had this claw hand before. You shut it down. Oh. That's the cannon. Alright, All right, fair. Um, uh, explain and stab. Okay, you are now minus one worker, but you've got extra rations and fear increases a lot. <laughs> cool. Alright, here's your final final problem. The temple is doing a midnight procession when somebody farts. <laughs> Everybody laughs. Do you laugh along with them and do some farts of your own to raise their spirits? Or do you <laughs> shut down this abhorrent sinful behaviour by dispersing the crowd with flagellations and cries of shame? Shame. <laughs> uh, shame. Shame over flagellation. <laughs> <laughs> Any day of the week. <laughs> Alright, I'm going to look at your results here. Oh, it's, it's close. Oh no. Oh Matthew. Okay. So the place you've you've come out with is a steam hail. Mm-hmm. It's a wondrous place and very warm. Toasty some would say, sweltering some would say, roasting, scorching, sizzling. <laughs> oh no, you're being cooked. Your upset populace has risen against you. You thought fear would keep them in check, but they just got behind another tough leader who likes to murder fewer children. You are being cooked and may or may not be eaten. You're, you're, you're definitely being eaten because there's no food anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Either that or there's they'll, plenty of blubber, though. They'll, they'll throw you in the snow pit to harvest your organs at a later date. Catherine, if you were playing nicer, you would have got a snow heaven. Great. <laughs> that sounds like exactly what I want. It's a beautiful place, glittering in the moonlight. In your tranquil settlement, the wind is light, the skies are clam. Clam? <laughs> the skies are calm. And the snow falls softly and gently. On your corpses? You are too soft. You don't have what it takes to kill a man with a claw. Shame on you. Shame. Oh, well. As long as I'm still alive, and that's fine. More more food rations for me. So I hope that that gave you some uh, insight into what it's like to play Frostpunk, Matt. I think it did. It's pretty, it's pretty close, I'd say. Uh, okay. Should we talk about something that isn't Frostpunk? Let's. Yeah. Uh, what have we been playing? I've been playing a bit of Murderous Pursuits, which I want to talk about a bit because it's great and I haven't seen a single other person saying it's great, which is a shame. <laughs> Because uh, it's okay. So what it is is an eight-player multiplayer game about hunting and being hunted. It's from the ship remastered, remastered people. Um, some of which worked on the original ship as well. And it is a very similar game to that, but really, it's basically Assassin's Creed multiplayer without the running around bits. Ooh. Which is great because that's that's exactly what Assassin's Creed multiplayer should have been. <laughs> no, that's not entirely fair actually because I did like the um, the chasing and being chased in Assassin's Creed when occasionally things would erupt into a parkour chase. But the big bad thing that I know um, you agree with me on, Brendy, is that they really messed up the abilities in every iteration of Assassin's Creed multiplayer. Yes, where you would be creeping up on someone. And then they'd smoke bomb you, and all of the work that you'd put in would just, well, would just vanish in that self-same puff of smoke. This. So, so it works is... the same way. You basically, you are hunting someone, but someone else is hunting you at the same time, and it's a big circle. Yeah, yeah. And I should have said there are loads of um, AI characters milling around that you disguise yourself as. So on your screen, you've got um, an indicator that tells you where your quarry is roughly that gets more general the closer you get. So by the time you're in their vicinity, you just know that they're nearby somewhere and have to try and work it out from the way they behave. Um, So with the abilities, my original thought was that, like before I discovered that it has a very similar thing to the smoke bomb, I thought, oh, this is great. They've managed to make the uh, all the abilities only add to the game and the mind games that you play rather than detracting from. So like, one of them is um, a counter where if you activate it for the next five seconds, if you get 
if someone tries to kill you, you'll stun them instead. Um, which originally sounded really annoying, but then it's like it's on quite a long cooldown, and it's also the case that like you might get caught out by it the first time, but then if you're playing smart, you can like try and remember who that guy is, and then maybe if you get him next time, you know that he might use his uh, counter, so you'll like stroll up to him and then walk Just away wait. a bit and then go back <laughs> and get him. And it's <laughs> ah, I love those sort of mind games and like. All of the abilities apart from the flashbang feel like they are they don't completely remove control from another person. It's just sort of adding to the adding to the potential things that you can do. Whereas the smoke bomb is just you throw it down and walk up and stab them. And then you get extra points for killing someone with an ability. So it's rewarding you for doing less work. Which is really infuriating. But I've done the thing where I've gone on about like the small bit of the game that annoys me, even though it has a disproportionate <laughs> effect on on my overall enjoyment. But oh, smoke overall, bombs are right. I get oh, the smoke is, bombs out of your game. It does just feel like such a misstep in something that's otherwise really, really fun. Like I love it because it's all about carefully like trying to anticipate what your opponents are gonna do. And then at the same time trying to do things that change what they're going to do. And it's all, you know, this psychological trickery um, that, yeah, I really, really love. So do you have to get them? I've never played this ship, but do you have to, like, get them alone before you kill them or something? Not alone, but it is the case that if you're too obvious as you walk up to them, they can... Because they're looking out for their hunter, like, you get a little warning telling you when a hunter is nearby. So, say that your quarry is, like, standing in a crowd of people, and you walk into the room, and you just see a crowd of people, you've got no idea who you're, who you're trying to kill, really, they're nearby. And so, if you sort of are really obvious, and, uh, like, walk swiftly somewhere, the, your, your, hunt, your quarry may well just turn around and slap you in the face, and then you've lost, like, they get three points for stunning you. And you've put all the effort into, you know, potentially walk from one side of the map to another. So, yeah, as you walk into that room, you can't just sort of walk into the room, stop and look around. Maybe you'll walk into the room, um, stroll up to a vignette. They're called vignettes, these little spots, which, um, like, a bit like Spy Party, they make you act like an AI would when you're standing in that spot. Oh, yeah. And, of course, all the AIs are always, you know, going up to stand in those spots. Uh, so if you want to pass yourself off as one of them, you have to do that. Oh, and it's also tied into a neat system, which is new from the ship, and I'm pretty sure Assassin's Creed didn't have anything like this, where anytime you're not in a vignette, your exposure meter is constantly going up, um, and if it reaches the top, then your quarry and hunter, hunter know who you are. Uh, so... That's what really makes it work, I think, is that you're you know, encouraged to take things slowly. Uh, okay. Um, You're encouraged because... to go from hiding spot to hiding spot as well, rather than just running around like a loon. Exactly, yeah, because you also get more points like the lower your exposure meter is. So, like, the masterful play, which works out sometimes, is to try and figure out where your quarry is walking, stand in a vignette, and just leap out and stab them as they walk past and get a stupid amount of points, which is ridiculously satisfying when you I mean, a lot of that comes down to luck, and I've had times where it seemed like they're definitely going to stroll past me and then turn around and literally sprint away to the other side of the map, <laughs> which is just sort of inevitably going to happen some of the time, I guess. Um, but those moments where it works, it really works. So I was going to say earlier, like, so maybe in that room of AI, you 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 know stroll up, stand in one of the vignette spots, and just sort of sit around and wait and wait for your quarry to you know do something that reveals themselves but then of course you've got two people standing in a room and each of you will be being hunted like the person you're hunting might have another hunter and you're being hunted by someone so if you stand still everybody on the map is going to wind up in that room which means often you get games where like hardly anything happens for you know a good few minutes or a bit less. Oh wow! <laughs> and then everything erupts in this like <laughs> stupid chain other. of yeah. 
Because, <laughs> yeah, it's the moment one person assassinates one, they go on that person. Um, so it's like, I love how it swaps from this, like, some of the time it's this careful, like, thinking about what they're thinking, thinking about how you can change what they're thinking, thinking about how they're thinking about what you're thinking, which is great. And then <laughs> other times, it's just carnage. <laughs> Um, oh, and yeah, there are, there are other like neat little systems which I won't go into because I've talked quite a bit about it. But I really, really like it. It sucks that it's seventeen quid. <laughs> like I, because indie multiplayer games often struggle to maintain a player base, and uh, I really, I really don't want it to die. That's so sad. I don't want it to <laughs> die. <laughs> oh, it sounds really fun, actually. We should, we should do... play some. Yeah, we should. Um, but you've got the advantage of having played more than I, and you'll just run around murdering everyone. Yeah, we should play some. <laughs> when you do murder someone, um, do you just inherit their quarry? No, um, I think... Uh, well, actually, you might do. I think it just randomly assigns you a new one, but it may well be the case that it often gives you theirs. I like this. But, I, played yeah. a, I, I played a game of Assassins, which is the um, the kind of real-life thing that it's it it works into this um which is just yeah you you get a target and someone else has you as a target and you have to kill them with a water pistol or a nerf I've gun or something as well yeah yeah it's a university game isn't it um, <laughs> uh and uh you would get emails you know updates of you know someone killed such and such someone killed such and such you know all using code names and uh when i was coming when i did my code name i named myself a three-year-old child so whenever the updates happened, it would say a three-year-old child killed Johnny Punk <laughs> or whatever. Like, uh, yeah, the real world game is fun because a large part of it is tracking down the person and trying to work out like what their schedule, real-world schedule is. <laughs> but like, it's also a really boring game because you end up standing outside lecture halls waiting for something to like, trying to see if your friend actually came to school that day. It's true, but. Uh, I guess it's it's interesting. It's kind of like Plunk Bat in that it's tense and exciting, even though a large, like large, large part of it is nothing happening. But the possibility of something happening is what makes it so fun. There you are. Assassins is like Plunk Bat. <laughs> Hot takes from the RPS podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Murderous Pursuits, cool. It's on Steam, yeah. Yep. Okay. Let's play a song. Catherine. Hello. What have you been playing? I've been playing... Um, so I finally finished Xenoblade Chronicles 2, which is a giant JRPG, and lo and behold, I can now have time to play loads of games. So having only played one game for the past, like, what seems six months, I've now played, like, three in a week, which is extraordinary. Uh, so I've been playing... Um, I, f- I finished... Or I've sort of nominally finished Celeste, um, the mountain climbing, quite hard platformer about you going going up a mountain. Um, and I've also started playing a bit of Fee? Fay? I don't know. The little Fee, Fi, Fo, Fun, whatever it is. Um, the um, sort of also, this is, this is more of a 3D platformer, uh, type thing from the people at Zoink, which is where you play a little fox character that makes kind of weird gar- gurgling noises at things to make friends Adorable with Adorable gargling noises. Yeah, they're quite cute. A, a little... <laughs> <laughs> it's it's sort of having gone from Fee to... or having rather gone from Celeste to Fee, um, oh man, like talk about going from a great platformer to a slightly wonky one. Um, and, um, Interesting. <laughs> I just, oh, I don't know. Like the, the controls in Celeste are so kind of finely tuned. And even when, cause I was actually, I was playing it on my switch. Um, and <gasps> I know shocking. Um, but it's, 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 it's quite, it's such a good switch game. Cause it's just sort of like, I can just kind of no. while away at that in the background while Catherine, things no, are happening stop. on the television. <laughs> It's not. It's not a good Switch game. It's a good PC game. It's a good game for PC players. We're <laughs> going to get the, the Faith Keepers in here. I'm sorry. Um, but it's sort of, if, even when you kind of, you know, 
you press a direct you know the press a button in the wrong direction or whatever and you die kind of instantly you know that it's like oh yeah no that was my fault um you know it you know where you went wrong with with fee it sort of feels like just a little bit a little bit too kind of janky um in that you know you try and jump jump up onto a onto a ledge and it's just sort of like glitches a little bit or it kind of you know doesn't quite work or the the, the jumping especially once you get like the, fl- the gliding ability um feels very floaty and like i can never really control it very well um huh. and yeah i'm i'm not i'm not really i'm not really feeling fee um matt you went you went well counterpoint to that <laughs> i haven't found any of that oh really <laughs> i mean so i i actually played a bit of it um just before i went on holiday and then by the time i got back from holiday i it's that thing where <laughs> i other things have taken its place and I haven't gone back to it but the bits that i did play felt fine like it, it felt a little awkward to me at have first, you played celeste though <laughs> I have played Celeste, and oh. I would agree, I, see. I would agree. I would agree that Celeste is a good example of a pristine platformer where everything feels exactly like it should. And Faye isn't that, but I didn't find that. Yeah, I, I didn't find it janky. I didn't really like pass after an hour or so. I didn't really find that it was playing awkwardly. Reader, if you want a third opinion. <laughs> I think we do have a review of it. Um, I think John yeah, reviewed John, it. Yeah, John maybe. reviewed it. And also really liked it, um, which is why I bought it. <laughs> and it's Same. like, oh no, what, what's going on here? I seem to be playing a completely different game. Um, but hey-ho. You weren't playing that on Switch, were you? I was. Ah. I was. Ah. Which, you, just, uh, you just come on the wrong podcast, <laughs> Catherine. I'm sorry. Um, I was just... No, it's all right. We've just you've just given us definitive proof that <laughs> PC games are just you know. Yeah, I think it it's it's it certainly does have performance issues on the Switch. Like it will kind mm. of the the frame rate will tumble um on reasonably regular occasions. Um, so I I I I I do wonder whether it is a Switch thing. But I think um my husband Matthew played it on the what did he play it on? I think he played it on the Xbox. Um, when it nearer to when it came out and that was also also kind of uh a, a little it felt a little bit janky or it certainly looked janky from me watching him play it um so may- maybe the console version is just balked i don't know i mean it's it is interesting because like i do know what you mean <laughs> it just like I, I did you know i i did have quite a few times where it was like it felt like I should be able to, you know, smoothly jump from this tree to this tree, and I had to instead awkwardly move the camera slightly before it would work. Mm. But I guess it felt, yeah, yeah, I've already said it. Really, it didn't feel like an obstacle, as as to the extent that you're, it was you. Yeah, Catherine's I don't know. just more of a hardcore platform. Yeah, perfect platformer perfection. <laughs> <laughs> when you've been raised on 3D Mario games. Um... Where the movement is just kind of so, yeah. you know, chef kiss. Um, Big talk from a <laughs> Nintendo lover. <laughs> you know, any, anything else is just kind of like, oh, you know, big boots to fill. But yeah, that's it's, true. It's, and that's, it's that's fine. fair, actually. That may be, that may be a part of it because yeah. I don't play a lot of platformers. Um, yeah, I've played, so yeah, I've, I've, I played, I've certainly played a fair few over, over the years. Um, but yeah, it's like, Fee's fine. Um, but yeah, just not as kind of like, as I say, the 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 contrast between that and Celeste is just obviously a lot more pronounced, having gone from mm. one to the other in yeah, very quick succession. Um, yeah. You know, if if I hadn't played Celeste or even a, even a, any kind of platformer immediately before it, it probably would have been probably would have been you know, I probably might might have liked it a bit more. But I mean, I'll I'll I'll, I'll persist with it. It's not like I'm not gonna not you know I'm I'm not gonna stop playing or anything. But uh. Yeah, it's it's as I say, it's it's fine, but yeah, I'm not I'm not massively wild about it. <laughs> it's interesting. You're probably going to end up finishing it when I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I do have a weird compulsion to play games through to completion once I start them. I kind of I just I can't leave games unplayed. 
I don't like it. It's funny, <laughs> I used to have that and stopped when I became a full-time games journalist. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly a lot harder yep. when you when you play games for a living, but uh yeah, I have I have I to to the extent where I have a just a giant list of all the games that I'm currently playing, the ones that I've finished, um the ones that I haven't played, I which is scarily long. Um and yeah, I kind of move them from one list to to the next, one column to the to the to the other. You've got a written as, list. <laughs> as I as I play them. Wow. Cause I'm the I've one. just got I've just got like categories in Steam that say like <laughs> you know, she like pile of Shiam category. <laughs> yeah. The um, this top category in my Steam list is games that I should play at some point, which <laughs> I've <laughs> <laughs> touched or hardly have. See that's what my wish years, list is for. The wish list is like, oh yeah, I should probably play this game. Um, that I haven't bought yet. Um, but yeah, all I don't, I, I haven't ever, I haven't ever categorized things in Steam. I just have lots and lots of spreadsheets <laughs> on my computer. Um, so organized, it's frightfully <laughs> organized. <laughs> we. I was gonna say we should um, see what the readers have to say about Frostpunk, but they haven't said much. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to play one more game with you guys. Brilliant. Uh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's um, great. Uh, but this one is is also um, Frostpunk related. Um, it's it's the punk off. <laughs> so uh i read a i i i got interested in all these different punk genres you know the the whatever punk um wait there's more there's more than, than one punk <laughs> well this you know there's cyberpunk for example oh, yeah, oh okay um, right, yeah i get it there, there there are a surprising amount of punk genres or subgenres or questionable subgenres <laughs> um which i have stolen from a lit reactor article by one daniel hope so thank you daniel um and i'm going to put them against each other and ask you guys which one you think is your favorite there's only 10 uh don't worry there's no ethical problems embedded in this oh um but we'll 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 see which ones you like so to start with um steampunk or diesel punk Steampunk. Diesel sounds. Diesel punk sounds like it would get quite messy very quickly. Mm, it's too Mad Maxy. <laughs> Diesel punk, according to this article, is a perpetual World War II era. <laughs> nice. Um. So yeah, everything running on fumes. Uh, <laughs> cyberpunk, cyberpunk or biopunk. Ooh. I don't know what biopunk is, but that sounds quite cool. Yeah, nor do I, but I'm intrigued. Neither Why? did I, but I'll I'll find out. Hang on, I this is one I forgot to write the. <laughs> I forgot to does scribble the thing. Right. it's like genetic hacking, or is it plant based? Um, the idea of biopunk is to take the dirty dystopia and corporate espionage and focus more on biology than gadgetry. It's about hacking DNA instead of computer code. Yeah. Um. So it says that uh you could argue the first biopunk is mary shelley's frankenstein for example oh i see yeah. um there's another book called ribofunk by uh paul de filippo um so it's whatever those are so that or cyberpunk what are we going for biopunk yeah let's go with biopunk all right cool um a bug punk or transistor punk um, <laughs> I don't know what either of those mean, um, but bug punk. I'm gonna go for transistor. Is... <laughs> Let me explain oh. though. Yeah, okay. bug punk is literature which in which bugs feature prominently and are augmented by technology, or perhaps <laughs> used to augment technology themselves. <laughs> I love it. Just like... <laughs> and, and transistor punk is basically a way to categorize Philip K. Dick novels. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a tough one. I don't like I, like I don't bugs. I don't like bugs, so I'm gonna go for transistors. <laughs> uh I'm gonna go for bug punk just to put the difference. <laughs> I like the sound of bug punk too. I think it sounds horrible <laughs> and therefore good. <laughs> um deck deco punk or atom punk. 
deco punk. So this is Is that like Picasso I, punk? I, no, I'm feeling no that would be like Oh no, wait, no, that's yeah, sorry, that's 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 the wrong art style. Is that is that art deco kind of thing or Yeah, this is like Bioshock versus Fallout. Right. <laughs> like fifties atomic age nonsense versus art deco. <laughs> What's the other one? Um Atom Punk. Atom Punk sounds like it could have big consequences. I'm going for Atom Punk. It sounds more dramatic. I quite like Art Deco stuff, so I'm going to go with that one. Cool. Um, mumbles. <laughs> mum- <laughs> this isn't a mum- real word. Wait. Mumble Punk. <laughs> mumble or punk. Manners Punk. Oh, definitely Mumble Punk. Oh, that's need- my new favourite thing. I'd... Mumble punk. So these are these both refer to BBC dramas. <laughs> oh, I so see. Mum- right. Mumble punk is things like Taboo or Jamaica Inn, in which the the <laughs> actors mumble so much that you can't understand what they're saying. Yep. Manners punk. Very familiar. Are <laughs> dramas like dramas like Downton Abbey or Jane Austen things in which everybody must be very mannerly to each other, and it's a scandal when they aren't. That's very much more my thing. So I'm going to go with that. <laughs> I think I'm just enjoying saying mumblepunk too much to not pick it. Okay, here's the last one. Plunk punk or pub yeah. or pub punk. No. I'm I'm not even gonna dignify that with a response. It's plunk punk. It's obviously plunk punk. Definitely. There were a few more, but I didn't. I decided not to include them. Like uh, dungeon punk, love punk, funk punk, paper punk, pencil punk, <laughs> duck punk, skunk punk. Duck punk. Is this just adding um, any word before punk? It's punk uh, punk a thing. Uh, that's what. Uh, that's what I thought about calling this feature punk punk, <laughs> but that it didn't make any sense. Um, Anyway, so there you are. That's all the punks that you can you can come up with. There are more in that article. I'll put a link to the article as well. Uh, Checking that out. Punk, punk. All right. Um, let's actually see what the readers have had to say about Frost Punk. <laughs> uh, we asked them, have you played it? What do you think? And how many people have you eaten? Uh, Alec Crutchley says, I've eaten three people so far, but I haven't played Frostpunk, though. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, Bearded Buccaneer says, I played about three hours. I'm really enjoying it so far. My only minor gramp is that I don't feel emotionally connected to my colonists. It makes it easier to make tough decisions. So the same, mm. the same problem we, yeah. we've been having, really. I was going to ask earlier, do you think if they added something in so that it like gave individual colonists individual stories. Could you see that changing your decision making? I mean, only if it, it carried work? it carried them through, but there would be no way really to carry it through. Mm. I think the problem is that there are if too you many don't of them. L- I think. Yeah, there are too many people, and if you don't look at them like individually and follow them around the map and feel like they go from their house to the coal mine and then they take a break in the food, mm. you know, the food hut, they get some soup from the soup kitchen at lunchtime and then they have a relationship with somebody else or they're nervous or they're, they don't have any character attributes. There's nothing to them. There's nothing to them at all. That's the problem. If you just insert them into a story and make them, then that just feels, that's just going to feel like more pop-ups, um, which could also work as fine. Um, but individually, there's nothing there. Like, I keep going back to RimWorld when I talk about this because that is the game that makes you actually, you start off with like a handful of people, three people maybe, and people are added slowly. You get to know them as people. They all have personalities and they clash with each other in certain ways or they gel with each other in certain ways. They're better suited to some jobs. Some people go crazy, you know, or they they have breakdowns. Um, And none of that, there's none of that in Frostpunk. I don't think Frostpunk is trying to be that. No, I think like I mean, Eleven Bits previous game, This War of Mine, that also yeah. had a much smaller cast, and yeah. yeah, I felt like you got to know those people that you were trying to save and get through kind of this wartime dystopia a lot better. But yeah, I think there there are too many people in Frostpunk to kind of really. I mean, you can you know you can click on you can click on each kind of. They, it it doesn't help that they all look they're all about the size of ants, regardless of how far you zoom in. So they're quite difficult to pick out, but you can click on them, and you know they you it will show their name and 
whether they've got any family and what their concerns are, you know, whether they're kind of like all fine with everything or they're, you know, like, oh man, I really wish we didn't have to work such long hours sort of thing. Um, but there's no, there's no real sense of kind of like getting an idea of what people are feeling on, on a more kind of macro scale, like whether everyone really hates the long working hours or it's just kind of it all just feeds into like the the hope or discontent bar that yeah you know certain actions you perform like if if you switch a facility from operating between eight and six to six to eight in the morning um or you know six six in the morning to eight in the evening rather than eight eight in the morning to six in the evening um then you know that will that will create discontent, but it doesn't ever feel like it's personal to particular characters. It's just like a a wider thing that yeah. like, oh, this is, you know, this sucks, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I feel like that's a, a thing people will notice about the game. Again, I don't feel like it's not the strength of the game, really, and I think if they, they've mm. leaned very heavily on the uh moral decision making and stuff like that because that is where their strength was especially with this war of mine mm. but it is less Im- it is less impactful in this game this game is actually just a really neat good city builder and i think if you approach it like a fun city builder that has a limited lifespan that you can go in play for 12 hours get your get your kick from it and mm. then maybe revisit when they release some dlc or new scenarios later on yeah um, or you know, whenever you've forgotten about it, and go down a different route, like the order and discipline route, instead of the the church route, just to see the new buildings and stuff like that. If you approach it like that, I think you're gonna have a really good time. But if you go into it, if you go into it thinking I'm going to like have a really personable experience with the people that I um, I'm in charge of, char- charge, then you don't. I don't think that you'll find it there. Like this war of mine is better for that, while yeah. being a slightly jankier game. Mm. And also a lot bleaker as well, like yeah, <laughs> like it, yeah. I mean, now this is fantasy, so it's like it's it's hard to be so caught up about the child crying at the grave. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like as 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 kind of grim as it is, and you know, you've got obviously the the cold is is a is a kind of you know kind of fairly bleak setting. I've 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 found it a lot less kind of emotionally involved than when I played this war of mine. But in a way, like. I'm I'm fine with that. I don't need Frostpunk to be this kind of, you know. I I almost found this war of mine to be like, oh, you know, it was a it was a real kind of effort to play it, and you know, you thought like, oh, this is just this is just awful. Like, you know, this is there's no way to 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 you know redeem this situation at all, and you're just gonna have to start again. Whereas I think with Frostpunk, it's it's easier to kind of like not necessarily manage those feelings but it's sort of it's it's they don't really come into it in such a kind of big way and it's it's easier to to play i don't know whether that's really the right way of describing it but it's it's a lot less it's stressful but the right kind of stressful rather than like emotional stress of yeah. playing it yeah um yeah it's a shame because that is how they suckered me in like i mean even though i'd read um, our review and knew it wasn't really really I knew I was going to be disappointed on that front of will be disappointed. Well, you see, Matt, you get a lot of pleasure from um, abstract ethics questions. <laughs> there, <laughs> there, are, true. <laughs> there are there are a good amount of them and like a good amount of decision making. I, I do. I have spent a few. There have been a few moments where I've been looking at the tech tree or the book of laws and thinking, oh, God, which one do I want to put on? Or just deciding which building I want to build. Um, based on how many people I think will get less sick, um, you know, either or. There are that, moments like thing, that. But... Practical things. It's it's not yeah. a genuine ethical dilemma. It's like, what do I think is going to be best for these people logically? Yeah, which is, yeah. can yeah. be fun still, but it's a you know a different yeah different kettle of moral fish. But anyway, um, well. Thank you, Bearded Buccaneer, for sparking all those thoughts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what else have people said? Hamish, Hamish Zerbinati, sorry if I'm mispronouncing that, uh, says they've eaten none of their citizens. There's no need when you have soup for months. My first city <laughs> my first city survived with 608 inhabitants. So well done. That's pretty there good. You go. Good work. 
Let's see. Someone on Facebook has made the exact same joke. I've eaten two people, but what's Frostpunk? <laughs> <laughs> Lots of people like cannibalism jokes here. Um, Henry Putz says, an amazing and hard game, not only in gameplay terms. Uh, Richard Phillips says, no. <laughs> Answering like they haven't, they haven't played it. No. And the picture doesn't incline me to play it. Because <laughs> um, I, I, I added a picture of a bunch of people uh, saying that they were facing starvation. Um, <laughs> so I guess Richard doesn't it's like that. Um, that's it. That's it. Uh, that's all the people think about Frostpunk. Have we gone over our time? We have gone over our time. Um, so we're going to close it out here unless you two have anything to add. Or anything to highlight? No, I don't think so. I forgot to boast about how awesome my new PC is, but <laughs> that would be boring. We can boast about that some other time, don't worry. <laughs> um, thank you for listening. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed our Frost Punk chat. Uh, chat Punk. And if you have any ideas for themes or topics that you want us to talk about in future, email us, podcast at rockpapershotgun.com. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Rock Paper Shot. We are also individually on Twitter. Matt, what are you on Twitter? I'm at Coxx, which is C-O-C-C-Y-X-X. And Catherine? Uh, so this is really confusing because this was made when I wasn't <laughs> married. Uh, so my Twitter handle is Burninator, spelled B-Y-R-N-E-E-A-T-A. Um, yeah. So that really doesn't make any sense now that I'm married and have a different surname. But hey, there we go. Speaking of <laughs> Catherine's marriage, um, we have a new person on the RPS team. We now have a video team consisting currently of one person. <laughs> um, it's Matthew Castle, who is your, your husband. Yes. Um, and uh, he's posted his first video, which is about State of Decay 2. So um, I'll put a link to that as well if you are interested in that. It's like 20 minutes of him playing through State of Decay 2, uh, the zombie survival game, uh, which is also about having a settlement and keeping it neat and tidy while zombies attack. Uh, So check that out. It'd be good. Cool. All right. That's it. We're done. We can say bye now. Bye. 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 face up to his loss. <laughs>